As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. As we record this podcast, Leicester remain the only top flight side in Europe yet to make a signing this summer. The Athletic's Leicester correspondent Rob Tanner and our senior football writer, Stu James, join us to provide all the detail and maybe a little perspective too. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Take it out. Madison scores! He's off the mark at King Power Stadium. They don't mind being seen as that club that will help you develop and become a better player. And then you might get that huge move to a big giant of a club. And I'm sure that conversation's been had with Fafana right now. Tielemans from wrong distance. Oh, one of the great Wembley goals. Yuri Tielemans. Yeah, for me, it's not been a problem. There's obviously lots of noise around it. But my focus has purely been on the players that are here. Interestingly, if you flip that the other way, I don't know where Brendan would go next either, Mark, by the way. I don't know what the, the, the next opportunity would be for him. Let's get straight into it then. Uh, your piece, Stu, puts it brilliantly, really. Leicester, eighth in the Premier League, Europa Conference semi-finalists and a Community Shield win. Before that, fifth in an FA Cup, fifth in Europa League qualification, ninth, twelfth, Champions League quarter-finalists, Premier League champions. If you are a football fan, you have had an absolutely joyous ride with Leicester, which is what we're all in it for, really. An incredible ride. I mean, they've won the Premier League there. Okay, the Community Shield isn't held in quite the same <laughs> way. The FA Cup as well. What would, for example, Tottenham Hotspur fans give for something like that? And then you look at the gulf between those two clubs on the balance sheet. Tottenham's revenue is exactly double Leicester's. It's extraordinary that Leicester have been able to compete like that over a period of time. The Premier League title was obviously unbelievable, probably something we will never, ever see anything like that again, I'd imagine, in our lifetimes. Hope I'm wrong, but I can't imagine that would be the case. Um, but actually, it's incredible that Leicester then, when we all thought, OK, they'd fall away a little bit and almost go back to their normal place in the Premier League, for want of a better way of putting it, they came back and finished fifth back to back. And actually, they were disappointed to finish fifth in both those seasons. They came really close to qualifying for the Champions League and probably should have done. So it has been an absolutely amazing run. But realistically, it's getting harder and harder to stay in the top six. And I think we also have to look at what's coming behind. And I know Leicester are really aware of this, looking at the money that Newcastle will be able to spend over time, 
Aston Villa, big players in the market as well. West Ham have spent this summer. So not only is it more difficult to keep pace with those clubs in front, the traditional big six, there are others coming behind and that's a real challenge for Leicester. Are they, Rob, victims of their own success then? Well, expectations have certainly risen. I mean, certainly amongst a large part of the fan base. And I think around the game in general, um, and the fact that, you know, the word crisis was has, has been mentioned and finishing eighth last season and getting to the semi-finals of the European competition was seen as a disappointment. I mean, that's the levels now. They've set their own standards uh, over the last few years. And Brendan Rodgers has certainly uh, done that as well by talking about qualifying for Europe on a regular basis and having that aspiration. And it is a club full of aspiration. They are. I mean, I know the transfer market at the moment, we're going to get into that in a bit, is, is tricky for them. But they still aspire to do well this season, um, regardless of whether any signings come in or not. But yeah, that expectation level does create added pressure. And we've seen a few times that when the pressure's been on at the end of the season, the, the, certainly when they were in the, the, uh, the top four for such a long time in those campaigns, they did fall away at the end. On the balance sheet then that, that, that Stu talked about, Rob, Leicester running up losses of £120 million over the last three seasons. That can't be all down to COVID, can it? No, I mean, the, the estimation is that £50 million is due directly to COVID uh, over the last couple of years in the accounts. But as Matt Slater, our colleague, who, who's absolutely brilliant at forensically looking at clubs' finances, um, he's done a, a fantastic piece where he looked at every club and he did it like a school grading report and he gave Leicester an A because he said out of all of them, the, certainly the ones that are aspiring to challenge the big six, they've probably come out of it better than most the way they've managed their situation. They are quite prudent in in, in how they, they spend money at the club. I mean, they've just spent £100 million on a new training ground, but that's an investment in the future. And they've also got a fantastic project that they're, they're getting underway now to redevelop the East End and, and the surrounding area of King Power Stadium. So there is still investment going into the club. And I've got to address something as well. There are a lot, there's a perception that the, the reason they haven't signed anybody is because of financial problems at the club. It's actually a case of squad depth. They've got too many players. It's at capacity. Uh, and it's not really a viable business model to employ senior footballers on senior contracts who can't play because they can't get into the squad. I mean, they had the situation with Papi Mendy first half of last season. He couldn't get in the 25-man squad for the Premier League. And they've got the same, similar situation now until they get some players moved on because Dennis Pratt's come back from his loan. You know, there's too many players. So if they start bringing in more players now without a guarantee of, of any, being able to move any on, they, they could be left two, three, four senior players who can't play. I think that's that's been a difficult thing for them, Rob. When I look through the squad, and it's only the third choice keeper, Yakipovic, who um, whose contract expired at the end of the season. So often you get three, four, five, maybe even more next summer. Nine, as it stands, isn't it, Rob? Who will be out of contract? But when you're only losing one player in that way, obviously, then and you had a big squad in the first place, Chappers. You need to find a way to move players on, and that's where things have kind of got stuck. And in that context, I can understand why Leicester haven't been active this summer. I really can. The bit I find more difficult to understand, and I did write this in the piece, is why they haven't managed to shift some of those players. Um, and I think there's been opportunities to do so. I've been told there's been lots of inquiries about those players, but they're obviously holding out for a certain valuation. And as time ticks on, then 
you know, you look at the situation now, if they were looking at bringing in a centre-back, I'm not saying they'd have gone for these players. Cody's just gone to Everton. Tarkovsky obviously moved earlier in the summer. And that's the worry that when it comes down to the last couple of weeks, the window, who's left? Well, I think that's the problem. I think there's a tier of... Cl- I mean, if you're aspiring to be challenging uh, at the top six, they're at the upper echelon of the second tier, so, so to speak. Now, if you want to move on your surplus players, who, what sort of clubs are going to be in the market for those sort of players? It's not going to be the, the clubs above them with, who's got all the money. It's not going to be the Villas and the Newcastles who've got all cash rich now. It's going to be the clubs that have been hit by COVID as well and are being a bit more prudent about their recruitment and they're weighing up all their options. And I think that you will see some movement towards the end of the transfer window in the last final weeks when every other club sort of assess their options and they've gone, right, OK, perhaps it's at Fulham or Brentford that might go, OK, we'll take Yannick Vestergaard then. We'll have a go at that. And that would then free up a bit of space in, in Leicester's squad. But you're right, the delays, meaning that the players they've identified a lot of them are moving on already and they're missing the boat on it. But they aren't unusual, are they? I mean, in, in not being able to move players on, particularly, let's bracket them with the top six, shall we? Because they are, you know, we've said, they're the ones that have given it the best go of, of breaking that top six. Arsenal, by all accounts, have got six or seven players that they want to move on. Manchester United don't seem to have been able to move anybody on for about eight years. So, <laughs> you know, they, they struggle with that. Now, Manchester City have moved players on, but by selling them to their to their rivals in the main, when you look at Sterling or Gabriel Jesus or, or, or Zinchenko, if Leicester were to move players on, probably the ones that are wanted would weaken their, their own squad, wouldn't they? And, they, and, and maybe Absolutely. one of the top six would take a risk on Madison. I don't know. Or Newcastle are going to come in for Madison or Harvey Barnes, and that massively that they aren't the players they want to move on, presumably. That, that that's absolutely the case, Mark. They've, they have had interest. Atletico Madrid have sniffed around Timothy Castagna as well. We all know Arsenal have got an interest. They haven't moved on Tielemans. A lot of interest in Fofana. Obviously, Chelsea have had two bids rejected. Now the second, I understand, was just over sixty million, not the seventy million that was reported elsewhere but Leicester don't want to sell him at any cost same in Madison and the, and the situation in Newcastle they don't want to sell these core players that is probably the only way you'd think they could free up a bit of finance but they don't really as I said at the start they don't really need the money they don't it's not a case of selling to generate cash that would that would definitely weaken the squad and their options going further into the uh, into the season if they lost the Fafana or they lost a the Madison uh, they're, they're the core players they're trying to build the team around. It's the surplus players, the ones on the fringes that they, they're trying to move on. And, and you mentioned Man City. They're the top of the tree. So everybody's going to be wanting to take their players, but Leicester aren't there. Recruitment's been the key of Leicester's success over the many, many years. They've been very effective at it. Last summer was a failure because three of the five they signed are three of the players that they want to move on now, just a year down the line. I mean, Bubakari Samari couldn't even get in the squad at the weekend. So this is the situation to find themselves in. And for clubs like Leicester, you can't get it wrong in the, in the transfer market because you haven't got the money to put it right. You've got to be spot on. You've got to reduce the risks at, all, at every stage. So I think this, this one, this transfer window, having spent 55 million net last summer, has been a bit of a, a, a chance for Leicester just to, to breathe and t- reflect on they can't keep going down that road. They can't keep going 55 million, 60 million because they haven't got that sort of revenue. They, they, and as I said to you guys before, off air, the sides they're chasing financially are a moving target. They're getting stronger and richer. And, and Leicester are st- still 
they, they, they're trying to keep on their tails, but they're running out of steam a little bit. It's a huge challenge for them at the moment. And obviously, it's been a, a, been far from either Lee Congerton, who who's, was really close to Brendan Rodgers, worked with him at Celtic, came in as head of recruitment at Leicester. He left earlier in the year. He's now working for Atlanta, um, who ironically have signed Lookman, who was at Leicester last season. And there was a chance to do a permanent deal there. Um his replacement, Martin Glover, hasn't been able to come in from Southampton yet because he's been he had a six-month notice period to serve and he's been placed on gardening leave. He won't come in until September the 1st, until after, after the window closes. I, I don't think it would have uh, a huge impact on things. I don't think it would have changed things now because of all the things that Rob's been saying earlier. There is no room to bring anyone in at this moment in time. Obviously, the key thing is what targets have been lined up. But Leicester, for a long time, for years, have operated with, like most clubs, a succession plan for every position on the pitch. And they've had a list of targets for each of those positions. And what was explained to me last week by a couple of people is sometimes fans are a bit underwhelmed when a certain player comes in. But they said what what they don't realise is how hard it is for a club like Leicester in that kind of rank of clubs that Rob described to go after or to get your first or second choice um, and sometimes even the third choice. So you're you're kind of fighting over the rest. Who do they think they are competing with for players? When they, when they go for their first choice or second choice, who else is going for that first choice, second choice? Because that's where it would be really interesting. Are they, are they going for first and second choices at the same time as, say, Arsenal or Tottenham, uh, Villa or Newcastle, who've who could spend a bit of money? Are they going for first or second choices at the at, at the same level as those really cleverly run clubs such as Brighton and Brentford? Because who they're losing out to says a lot about where Leicester are at with recruitment. Yeah, and I think they've also been able to compete, Mark. And this is a measure of where the Premier League's been in comparison with the top European leagues. That you know Leeds are competing with AC Milan for the same striker. So, so you're also looking at, um, strangely, not like for like in terms of league position with Serie A or La Liga or, 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 the, or the French League, for example, but you're, you're competing uh, a sixth, seventh, eighth place team in the Premier League is competing with a team that can offer Champions League football in those other countries. So, but yeah, that whole process is, is, is clearly a challenge. And, and, you know, again, something that Rob said, someone said to me last week that there's just, it feels like at Leicester, when you're working at that level, there is so little margin for error with a player. That you really, and that's why last season was so calamitous, really. But you, you, you feel that pressure. You've got to get it right because you can't afford to make the mistakes and have a twenty-five million pound player doing next to nothing on the sidelines in the same way as you can higher up the ladder. And there's more risk as well, Stu, in, in terms of the targets they go for because they try and get these players young, yeah, and develop them, and then obviously their value increases. And as we've seen in their model in, in previous summers, they've always sold one key player, and that money's been reinvested. I mean, Fafana's a great example at the moment, but there's a couple that they missed out of in, in the past that they tried to get early on. Saic and Bruno Fernandes, they were sniffing around those two when they were younger and, and weren't quite at the level. Because once they get to a certain level, they're out of Leicester's market. They're unobtainable. But that brings an element of risk then, because if that player doesn't develop how you predict he will, you, you, your, your investment's not going to return. But Fafana certainly will. I mean, Fafana is going to be one one of the top defenders in the Premier League, if not in Europe, in my opinion. From what I've seen of him, and he's such an athlete. He's um, he's incredibly quick, good on the ball. I can see why people are. I mean, Leicester valuing him way above the eighty million they got for Harry Maguire. I think one other thing's interesting here, Mark. That all these players that are out of contract, 
next next summer, the, the nine. Um, five of them are in their 20s. So, I mean, essentially, you could be looking at writing off a lot of money here. And naturally, sporting directors will often say that the opportune time to, to handle these situations is with two years to go. You've either got them to, to renegotiate, get them to sign a new deal to protect their value, or you move them on. And that hasn't happened at Leicester. I had lots of conversations around that last week with people. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is how it was such tricky timing with, with COVID. You think this time last year, football was just coming back from that really difficult period. And there wasn't a market there to shift some of these players in the same way as there would have been in the past. I think in previous years, Yuri Tillemans, of course, they wouldn't wanted to lose him. But Tillemans may well have gone for a really big fee last summer. But football just wasn't set up to do deals like that in the same way that it's moving back towards doing now. So a lot of factors have conspired here in some ways against Leicester. Equally, I think they also could have been better with some of their full planning. And, you know, Rob hits the nail on the head. Clearly, the summer transfer dealings last year um, have had a really negative impact. Vestergaard was a panic buy. Samari really interests me because people at Leicester were really quite excited about him joining for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. Some people have said to me they feel he's been played in too advanced a role, that he should have been used more as a deep line, uh, as a number six, essentially. Um, but And also, people have said that he was fast-tracked into the team in a way that wasn't planned because of all the injuries they had, Rob. So, you know, that they would have liked to have done more kind of a Pats and Daka situation and eased him in, but that wasn't feasible. Who knows? We've seen plenty of examples as well of players who struggled in their first year. Yeah, that was exactly going to be my point on that. Surely, surely you don't cut your losses after a year, particularly given, as Stu has just alluded to, that the difficult circumstances around that first year. He's still got supporters in the club, people that think he will turn out to be a good player. Um, and, and Stu's right, he's been played out of position. He, he was signed to be an eventual replacement for Wilf and the Diddy. This is the succession plan we talked about. He was going to be the one sitting in front of the back four, although he's a different type of player. He's more of a hybrid of Tielemans and Nididi. He's not quite the destructive defensive force that Nididi is, and he's not quite the transitional player that Tielemans is. He's somewhere in between. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that have been making a case in the recruitment department about Samari. Now Brendan's worked with him. It seems like he's not having him. He doesn't think he's going to be he's going to be the player that they've been telling him about. So this is a breakdown in communication between the two. You know, I still think there's a player there, but he has been played out of position. He's been played as an eight, and that's not... I mean, he scored one professional goal in his career. He's not that sort of box-to-box attacking player. He's not a Keenan Dewsbury Hall. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. I know Monaco have been sniffing around him and want him on a loan, but Leicester really want to um, do a permanent deal and, and uh, get some cash back for, on, on that. But um, we'll see what happens in the last couple of weeks. Just just a final one on, on, on recruitment and players, and, and then... I'll sort of revisit the club structure and Brendan Rodgers' role within all of this and Brendan Rodgers' future as well. When it comes to loans, loans of young players from... I realise they aren't free, okay? So there's still money that has to be spent on those. But because Leicester have been in that same pool as a lot of the top six and competing for the last few years, is there a reluctance of those bigger clubs to loan players to Leicester, do Leicester feel actually they're not going to go that way because they are in competition with them? You know, Southampton have gone to Manchester City, haven't they, this summer to look at some of their young players? Levi Colwell's gone to to Brighton. We had Conor Gallagher at Palace last year. Is that an area that you know, if funds are tight and and you do you are looking for young players, is is that a pool that just can't be tapped because of where Leicester are in the division? 
yeah, they've been seen as a, as a, a rival <laughs> over the last few years and, and you don't strengthen your rivals. But also as well, Leicester have sold players to these big clubs as well and they've held out for big, big money. And I think there's a little element as well as, of, you know, we'll pay back for you. You know, you're getting 80 million for Maguire from us. You know, we're not going to do you any favours. Um, I think there's an element of that as, uh, as well. Uh, and I think Leicester don't, they've got a, a long-term vision as well. They don't do a lot of loans now because that's very short-term. They're trying to build and develop um, the core of the side. So they prefer to do um, permanence if they can. I mean, Adam Ola-Luckman, they had him on loan last season, but Brendan wanted to do that. He wanted to make that a permanent deal, but circumstances have dictated he can't and now they've lost out on him as well which left them with just Harvey Barnes as the only out and out winger and now he's injured so they've got no wingers at all so he's uh it's feast or famine at the moment that was quite telling really looking back Rob that they didn't do that deal and, and you know notwithstanding everything we've said about the um sheer numbers in the squad but the fact that you know it'd been a pre-agreed fee and it would have been a fairly straightforward deal to do I guess they're the sort of loans Mark that they would be more inclined to do where there's a view to a permanent because I think the yeah. worry for some of those clubs often is you end up just developing someone else's player. And I mean, obviously it's worked fantastically for Palace with Conor Gallagher, you know, last season, but ultimately now he's back at, back at Chelsea. Um, and I guess Palace wouldn't be seen as a rival to um, Chelsea in the same way as Leicester. It'd be interesting what happens with hudson Adoy, for example, now who's been linked with Leicester, hasn't he? And that would sort of talk to your point, Mark, how prepared are these clubs to let Leicester have their, have some of their sort of young stars. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with me, Mark Chapman. I'm on this four times a week this season. Yesterday, we focused on Manchester United, Barcelona and Aston Villa. So be sure to go back and catch up with that episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. 
obviously you want to strengthen the squad, you want to add depth and, and quality. Uh, but on the other side of that, you, you still can have cohesion. They're going all in, the chips are all piled up on the table. This is a guy that Tuchel really, really wants. The suggestions that we're hitting Harry Maguire type money here. So on to, on to the structure. We, we've mentioned that the, the head of recruitment won't join until September the first in uh, in Martin Glover is that is that what his title will be? Sorry, there are so many job titles at football clubs now. <laughs> you know, is that yeah, head, head, of recruitment? head of recruitment? You're right oh, to call him that. So Brendan Rodgers is working with him. What structure at the moment? Well, at the moment, in terms of the transfer market, it's director of football John Rookin that's doing a lot of the work. Brendan's a little bit more hands on than he would normally be, and they're liaising with. Um, uh, Callum, Callum Smithson and the head of and the recruitment department and, and Callum's one of the senior ones there. So there, there's still that link and it's still the same structure as previously, but without that head of recruitment, that important head of recruitment. There does a lot of the negotiating. Uh, we'll be talking to the targets and their, and their agents to trying to sell the club to them, to get them to come. Um, and so I think that's the structure at the moment. And, and Brendan might have a little bit more of a, a, a say, but obviously at the moment he's been told categorically, unless they can create some space in the squad, he's not having anybody in. And, I, and from what I understand, there is nothing imminent. So he talked about, didn't he, needing to freshen things up during the summer and then sort of rode back on, that doesn't necessarily mean signing players, you can freshen up mentality and so on and, and so forth. Um, is he fresh? Just judging by his body language, um, he, he's saying all the right things. He's, he's on message, but I think he's very frustrated at the moment because he could see that the, the, the life of this squad, was, as it exists at the moment, was coming towards an end and he wanted to refresh now uh, and, and just to keep breathe new life into it for, for the new campaign. And he's not been able to do that as such yet. So, you know, I think he's still... He still says all the right things. He's very good in those situations. And and it's a good job, really, because Leicester City, only the manager ever speaks publicly, really. Yeah. Um, nobody else in the hierarchy ever does interviews or, or, or things like that. So, you know, you need your manager on message. Otherwise, the message is because his, his message is the only message. Um, but at the moment, yeah, he's saying all the right things. But I, I know he's frustrated in the situation. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary of it. He's Brendan's, uh, you know, an excellent communicator. He handled some difficult questions when I was there on Friday really well. Um, but yeah, you can see the um, underlying frustration that's there. I think he's clearly got an excellent re- relationship with the board and a lot of respect for them. And uh, in particular, uh, Top, the owner. And I think if that wasn't the case, Mark, I wonder how different the message might be. Uh, I'm not saying Brendan would be sort of sitting there um throwing his toys out the pram, but I think it, it, it may come across slightly differently. But I, I, I feel that he has, a, um, as I say, a lot of respect for the people at the top of Leicester and he's not going to rock the boat in that way. But in terms of what's needed, it's what we're three and a half years now, Rob, down the line. It feels like a good time for a change. He made those comments back in February after the Forest defeat um, about the healthy shakeup when he said nine of the 11 that started that day were with him on his first day at Leicester. It does feel like there needed to be that, that cycle of change. We often talk about managers changing after that period of time, don't mm. we, going stale? So if the squad isn't shifting, you kind of think, where does that fresh impetus come from? Um, the point I still come back to, Mark, is, as I feel they've got a really good starting 11 still, Leicester, as long as they keep them, as long as they keep Fafana, Madison, Tillemans. Now, obviously, that's a big ask. I do feel he can put out a team 
Unfortunately, Harvey Barnes obviously wasn't fit on the weekend. Um, I feel he can put out a really good 11. They haven't got European football this season. Big question will be, will they have the same issues uh, you know, around injuries, which are obviously a massive problem last season. If they can keep most of that 11 fit, I still think they can do really well. But what it really well is, is what? I don't know, eighth, seventh? Maybe Leicester fans don't want to hear that, but that's what it is in my eyes. Talking about freshening up the squad, it, it was freshened up last season by Keenan Jusby-Hall coming through yeah. and emerging from the from the academy. And he had a couple of loans out and did very well coming. That is, the, at the moment, the only way he's going to freshen up by bringing along some of these youngsters. And there are a few that they've got high hopes for at the club, but it might be too soon. And Brendan's shown, you know, he doesn't want to throw them all in curtail their own development it's got to be the right time and it certainly was with Dewsbury Hall but there's so many of the youngsters as well that academy is very productive it feels like and and our producer made this point Leicester aren't the first to be in this situation and they won't be very much in the last and our producer made the point does it remind you of of Pochettino's Tottenham squad to to, towards the end there Uh, who uh, you know another who tried to now, got to a Champions League final. We're in a title race, the, 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 you know, title race. We've been here before, haven't we? Well, exactly. And I think Brendan will be looking at that exact scenario and thinking, well, how did it end there? It ended in Pochettino going and, and then eventually that refresh came under, an, uh, under another manager. So, you know, I, I, I can see why he's concerned because he knows the pressure's on him this season as well. I mean, it, this is uncharted territory for him. I don't think he's ever spent, he hasn't spent, as much time at one club as he has now at Leicester. And he's had fantastic success. But as we said, right at the top of the show, that creates expectation. There's, and regardless of the mitigation of injuries last season and, and, and you know what the problems they're having in the transfer window this season, there's still expectation. Le- Le- but Leicester, fa- Leicester fans, sorry, Stu, Leicester fans still with him. And again, I always caveat that with, I've just lumped everybody in together. But I think, I think the vast majority are, but there are some that are now questioning him. And certainly after... The opening day when they were 2-0 up uh, against Brentford and he, he made a change, a, a tactical change, and it didn't work. Uh, and they ended up throwing away two points. Uh, you know, there was a f- few on our comments pages after that questioning him then. So, yeah, this is a big season for Brendan. Just picking up on that point there. But you, I, I kind of think if it's not Brendan, then who's it going to be at Leicester? I, I still, I mean, I got, I think he's an excellent manager, an excellent manager. Interestingly, if you flip that the other way, I don't know where Brendan would go next either, Mark, by the way. I don't know what yeah. the, the, the next opportunity would be for him if they, he was looking, if you'd have been thinking previously about maybe some of the top six ones, you don't see opportunities there. But um, for me, what I was going to say before is what I think is fascinating here is they have to keep hold of Fafana and Madison in my eyes. Now, if that got near the end of the window and one of those was to go, and I, in, in my mind, Fafana is more likely than Madison because I feel there will be more external pressure around with Fafana's people on the club to try and make a deal happen to Chelsea, for example, um, then I think that would be so, so damaging, not just for the team. I wonder what impact that would have on on, on, on Brendan Rodgers as well then. Um, because I also, unless there's someone out there that we can't think of, I think they'd be scrambling around, Rob, for a replacement at that time then, and they'd be back in Vestergaard territory last season. And we've seen how that's ended in the past with Vestergaard and um, Adrian Silva when yeah. they sold drink water to Chelsea on, on the final day and then they couldn't get that through. 14 seconds too late. To, <laughs> he couldn't play for six months. It, you know, they, they don't want a, that scenario to, to repeat it uh, at all. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a big few weeks for them, really. I mean, there's still a big draw, though. 
I would argue. And do you know what? A big draw, Rob, for the right people. That the, you know, the, the the players that want to develop and then get, you know, will then be told, you know, if it works here, you you would get another move, you know, for coaches who want to work within a structure, you know, with a brand new training ground. It may mean that they don't get the sexiest appointments if people leave or or players, but but they get the right people. Well, that's exactly it. And the, the club don't want to be seen as a dead end for a player. They, they don't mind being seen as that club that will help you develop and become a better player. And then you might get that huge move to a big giant of a, of a club. And I'm sure that conversation has been had with Fafana right now. And they're saying, look, you know, give us another year, work with us, play every week. You might get in the front squad, and have mm. a better chance of getting in the front squad for the World Cup, because that's a big ambition for him. And then, you know, next summer will, because he's still got five years on his contract. So, I mean, that's why he's going to be so expensive. Um, and then let you, I mean, they did it with Riyad Mahrez as well. They said, give us a year, give us a year and eventually we'll, we'll let you go. So they, they want to be seen as an attractive uh, prospect for a young, up and coming, ambitious player that's going to come in. They're going to get plenty of game time. They're going to work with a top coach like Brendan uh, and, and the staff down there. They're going to work in a fantastic environment at Seagrave. The new training ground is incredible. Um, that's your office. That's where you do all your work in the week. And then one day, if, you, if you're really at, the, at that level and you make the progress we think you're going to make, then you might get a Man City or a Chelsea or a Manchester United coming in for you. I think they're all, you know, really valid points, Rob. In my mind, it's a, it's a really, really well-run club, Mark. And and if we step back from this a little bit, I mean, again, people, I asked a question to a few people last week about FFP and how big a factor that is. And they're not worried about financial fair play, but they but they are thinking about it. And And I think we should be applauding that, really. And they're saying they're not just thinking about that because they need to comply with the regulations. They're thinking because actually this is for the good of the club. Yeah. So they're not carrying on spending recklessly and having three or four extra players there and running up more and more losses. They, they know they're not, as Rob said, they are not in financial trouble, Lester, but they're not going to allow the club to get into financial trouble. And they feel like they have to do something now that is prudent and sensible as opposed to just um, carrying on spending. And, you know, you look at that pathway that's been there for players in the past, whether it's, you know, Kante or, or Drinkwater who moved on, then Mares, then Maguire, um, Chilwell, it's been a great place for players to develop and go on to that next level. But also what Leicester have done across all of those is negotiated really, really well on each of those deals. Nobody's left for anything less than what Leicester want. So um, fascinating to see how it pans out over the next few weeks. I hope they manage to keep the squad together for, for Leicester's sake because I feel like they could have a really good season without a lever. And, and those players you just mentioned, they were all recruited for less than £25 million and were sold for £250 million. Uh, 110 million, over 110 million of that came from Chelsea. You know, they've, they've been very good at that, the developing players. And then you're seeing that investment come back into the club. Stu, Rob, thank you very much. See you both soon. Thank Cheers, you. Mark. Great to speak. Remember that for the very latest on Leicester and indeed every Premier League team, head to The Athletic and subscribe for just a pound a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com slash football pod and stay tuned to this podcast feed as tomorrow we'll have a brand new episode for you dropping in the afternoon the athletic